You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we've been learning and applying the core values of our church. And we've been doing that through the name Gospel Light and, and, and taking an acrostic type of a measure. So we've taken January, we took the first letter of gospel, right, G, and we said the next core value throughout the month of June. Love is our reason for sacrifice. The next level statement, we've had one of those for every single core value because our theme for the year is the next level. So how do we love at the next level. Is there a next level to love? Is there a shallow love? And is there a, 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 a God-like love? Is there, we, we talk about this phileo love or agape love. Is there a ne- next level love? The answer is yes. We're going to look at that clearly in Scripture. Today is our 31st anniversary. 31 years. And for 31 years, I've been telling the people of Gospel Light, I love you. It's been a common phrase at our church. There's quite a few testimonies as you look back into the annals of history of our church, of people actually coming initially to Gospel Light because of those words. <clears throat> Got to thinking about <clears throat> how those words began in my life. Where did they start? Why did that become such a part of my, who I am? And I got to be honest, I think in the beginning it was more about just me being an Italian and raised in an Italian home uh, where that's kind of accepted. Like, for instance, if you were to come to my house at 232 Moss Bayou Lane in Kenna, Louisiana, and you knocked on the door, the first thing that would happen to you as you stepped into the house is my daddy would hug you and give you a kiss on the cheek. Even if you tried to push him away, he'd fight through it. <laughs> my stepmom would too. It's just the culture. It's just the way it is. Hey, hey, I mean, if you're a friend of Eric's, you're a friend of ours. Love you guys. Come on in. Let's have... It's just... That's the way it is. Not, not everybody's raised in that environment. I get it. And, and at the end of the day, it's okay. I mean, it was kind of a weird environment. I'll be honest with you. In fact, it was so weird that I remember one time, my pastor at the time who had led me to Christ, his name was Glenn Riggs. My dad ran a furniture business in New Orleans. So Glenn asked my dad if he could come to New Orleans with a U-Haul truck, fill it up with furniture at cost, and fill his house up. Dad said, sure, come on. I'll give it to you at cost. So Dr. Riggs asks me, my dad's son, if I would go with him. So I'm 13 years old, 14. I'm like, yeah, let's go. So I jump in the U-Haul. We get in the car, and I think, oh, my goodness, my dad's going to kiss him. And so I looked at my pastor, and I said, this is eight hours away from home. I said, hey, pastor, i got to tell you something. He goes, what's that, son? I said, well, before we get started, I just want to let you know, when we knock on my dad's door, it's just kind of an Italian thing. They're, my dad's going to probably hug you and give you a kiss on the cheek and my stepmom. He goes, oh, no, no, that, that's not going to happen. No, no, I, that's not. Look, son, I appreciate it, but we've got to be careful about that. You know. And he was kind of one of those stiff, rigid kind of guys. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just, that's why I'm telling you now. You may want to prepare for it. Well, by the time we got to New Orleans, he forgot about that warning. So he walks up to my dad's house, knocks on the door, and sure enough, dad just wraps his arms around him, greets him, gives him a kiss on the cheek. He freaks out. He's like, oh, you know, what just happened, you know? So I'm giving you a warning. I love you. Those are words that are not strange words here at Gospel Light. And yet, as we begin this series, I want you to think about this with me. What is love? 
You know, love is a word that is mentioned a lot in our world, as it is here in our church. Modern-day use of the word love oftentimes is linked to some kind of chemistry that we, we kind of have. And we, we hear that played out sometimes in this. A general attraction for another person usually means, I'm in love. I'm in love. The word love has been popularized by romance movies. God's love is perfect love. And it is very different from the, the, the emotional response love, the, the feeling type of love. It's very different. So what is love? Well, let's dive into the scriptures together. The young apostle John knew a lot about love because he was very close to Jesus and Jesus wrote a lot about love through this, this young apostle. In fact, he would have been very impressionable as he listened to Jesus talk about love and as he watched Jesus demonstrate love. In fact, twice the Apostle John said of himself as he wrote the gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. First in John chapter 13, he said of himself, one of the disciples whom Jesus loved, me. And then he said in John chapter number 19 verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom Jesus love. So, I want to establish as we look quite a bit at what John wrote in the Gospels about love, he certainly is qualified to talk about love. He defined love in 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 when he said this, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God does love. Yes, and God has love. But that's not what John said here. He said God is love. So if God is love and Jesus was God in the flesh, and we all agree, then our goal is to, and here's the sermon title, here's the series of the month of June, love like Jesus does. That's the goal. That's the challenge. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 5 in verse number 2, somewhat of the theme verse of the month. Are you ready for the theme verse? Walk in love. And here is how I want you to walk in love. As Christ loved us. So we've got to figure that out. How did Christ love us? He gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walk in in love. Walk. Have you ever in your life thought about how you walk? It's interesting how we can mimic someone's walk. I own a little gym and we have treadmills in that gym. I love to walk, walk, walk by the treadmills and watch the different walks. They're hilarious. People walk differently. They walk funny. In fact, there's even an Olympic sport called race walking where these funny looking people, it looks like they want to run but they just walk as fast. I don't know how you do it. Like, I want to run. Every time I try to walk fast, I just want to run. I'm like, why am I wasting my time walking fast when I could run, you know? <laughs> and people have a, a distinctive walking style. So since we're talking about walking in love, and I want to build that thought in just a moment, I thought 
since this is the first Sunday of a new sermon series, and I've been off a couple of weeks, so I'm rather excited about speaking this morning, you can imagine, right? I'm excited about this opportunity, and I'm looking forward to the month of June and what God's going to teach us. I thought it might be good for us to take a a look at a few distinctive walking styles. So I called Ken Reed, and I asked one of our, kind of our young guys, his name's Josh Oglesby, he's got like somewhat of a a hipster type of a, of a walk, you know. I said, John, you'd be good at this. Pick out about 25 walks and show us how it's done. So take a look. Here's what we came up with. Ah, thank you guys. That was great. They did a good job. Yeah. Thought we'd have a little fun, right? So how does your walk look? Now, now wait a minute. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. What is it? Well, you're in, good, you're in good shape because I'm not talking about that kind of walk. 
the physical walk. I'm talking about the way that you illustrate your life, the way that your life is demonstrated, your walk. What does it look like? What, how is it look like in light of the fact that Jesus says, I want you to do something, and it is this. I want you to walk in love. And so Jesus, really what he's saying here is this. I want you to mimic the walk of Jesus. Look again in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2 as he says to walk in love. Therefore, be imitators of God. I want you to mimic God. I want you to be an imitator of God as beloved children, which I absolutely love it when we are referred to in Scripture as beloved. That's what Jesus thinks about you. You're beloved. And then he says walk in love as you imitate God. As a beloved child of God, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and and a sacrifice to God. So clearly, we are to follow God by walking in love. The New Living Translators said it like this, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. He loved us. He offered himself up as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Again, we are to walk in love. But what does that mean? I think the paraphrase of Eugene Peterson in this very passage is an interesting conversation piece. Look at it as Eugene Patterson says it this, Peterson says it this way. Watch what God does. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious. His love was extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Love is our reason for sacrifice. Why? Why? I want to love like Jesus. And to do that, I'm going to have to learn to walk in love. So how do we walk in love as Christ loved us? Now, if Paul had just written to the Ephesians, walk in love, obviously we'd have to figure things out, but, but it would be a lot easier. But it's way more challenging when you, when you read the rest of it. Walk in love, he said, as Christ loved us. Our challenge is not to love God, or love others rather, in our own ability to love, but rather to love as Christ loves. Meaning every step we take in life should have the evidence of God's love. Every step. To walk is to make progress. To walk is to go in a certain direction. That's what we do when we walk. We, we are going somewhere. We are moving in a direction. If I were to stand still, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting anything done. I'm just standing here. And standing here too long, I'll become stagnant, not accomplish anything. I'm not in the same place I was when I woke up this morning because I got out of bed and walked to the bathroom. Then I walked to the car. Then I uh, rather drove to the, uh, drove to the church and then walked into my office and then walked into the office. I've been walking all day long. I've been walking because I've got something to accomplish. I've got somewhere I'm going. I've got something I need to do. And so he says this, walking in love is to become more and more every day a person who loves others 
as God does. So question, are you loving others at the next level? And what Paul does here as he introduces this, he gives us a visual aid as to how Christ loved us. He wants to help us. So here's the visual aid he gives us. Look at it, if you would, please, in Ephesians 5.12. He says, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. That's the visual aid. That is the picture of God's love. We are part of the greatest love story ever told. We are to love and we are loved and we are to imitate Jesus in that love. That's the goal. Jesus walked in love for us by meeting our greatest need. He gave himself a sacrifice for us. So here's the lesson for us. We are not loving as Christ loves until it's costing us something for the right cause and with the right motive. So so why do we say love is our reason for sacrifice? What makes that the core value of gospel light? Well, to do that, I want to give you three extraordinary truths. These are truly extraordinary. They're all going to come from the writings of John and some of his letters, 1 John especially. And I want you to see in the text, these principles, they build on one another. You really have to get the first one in order to get the second one. And the second one's not of much, uh, the third one's not of much use unless you get the first two. So please stay with me as we walk through this together and learn to love like Jesus loves by walking, by growing, by more and more loving others like Jesus loved others. The first thing you've got to understand is the manifestation of God's love. That's a big word. We'll get to it in just a minute. It's actually in the text we're going to read in just a moment. The manifestation of God's love. How God displayed, he showed, he demonstrated his love to us. How did God do that? I want to begin by saying this. I really believe that so many are looking for love in all the wrong places. Even in the church, even in the Christian world, I think people are... I heard heard Scott's message last week, and Scott said something like this, if I'm not mistaken. I listened to it with you guys online, and and Kevin's as well the week before. But Scott said something like, if we were to ask what is the gospel and ask you to define it, I believe he said we would get a lot of different answers, even in a congregation of believers. I I think the same thing, if we were to ask this question, how has God shown his love to you? We'd get a lot of different answers. I'm not saying any of them would necessarily be wrong, but so many of them are somewhat shallow. Oftentimes I hear this, how has God shown his love to you? Well, Man, I just built a new house. It's, 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 God is so good. It, it's, it's, it's amazing. Or I just bought a new car. I mean, I, God is incredible. I just, God's love is amazing. I, I just get in a car every day. Or, let's get, a little, let's get a little more close to home. Maybe a little bit more where you're like, well, that's got to be it. Look at my beautiful family. Look at, look at my wife. She's beautiful. Look at my kids. They're just, they're awesome. God loves me. He shows his love to me in that way. Well, I get it. But we think in such a shallow way about God's love. We we determine God's love based on whether he does this or that. Meaning possibly we could then get a skewed attitude about things by thinking, well, I've had a great week. Everything's going great. I've got a job. I've got a nice house. I've got a car. God loves me. Lost my job. My car broke down. God must not love me. 
So what is love? God manifests his love to everyone on the cross. The cross, what we've been singing about this morning. In fact, there wasn't one song that said, how great, how great, how great is your love because of my new house, because my car is running, because I have a beautiful family. How great is your love, God, because of this or because of that? He manifests his love to everyone on the cross. Let's go to the text. 1 John chapter 4. Look with me at verse 7 on the screen. Beloved, let us love. You're going to see the word love all throughout this text. Let us love one another for love is from God. The only way you can see an intangible is to see that intangible demonstrated and displayed in the life of a human. And God proved his love by sending his son into the world. What did God see in us? What did God see in Erica Pacey to love me? It's kind of a discouraging answer, but it's true. Nothing. He didn't see anything in me. He loved us because he is love. Listen to how God accurately describes us in Romans in chapter number 5 in verse 6, 8, and 10. For while we were still weak, that's us, weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, that's you and me. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For, while, for if while we were enemies, that's how God adequately describes you and I. Weak, sinners, ungodly, and enemies. Jesus did not die for his friends. He died for his enemies. Jesus did not die for people who loved him. He died for people who crucified him. He died for, to deliver those who hated him. What love! What love, that old hymn, such love, such wondrous love, such love, such wondrous love. If God would love a sinner such as I, how wonderful is a love like that? That's why a moment ago we sang that song and and the drums were playing and the electric guitar. I mean, just the moment, couldn't you feel it in the auditorium? And I don't mean love as a feeling, but I mean you could sense a buildup in the auditorium of the amazing love of God. You know, how great is your love? How great, how great, how great, how great, how great is your love? Over and over again, we're singing it. It's just that great. It's indescribable. It's scandalous. It's phenomenal. It's love. We see in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, 8, and 10, something also very interesting. Well, let me say this before I say that. Let me, let me drive this truth home of, of, of who Jesus died for. Imagine with me for just a minute if you had a son or a daughter who in an effort to rescue someone died and the person they rescue lived. You decided to invite the person your child rescued and died in doing so, over to your home for dinner. And they came. You heard the doorbell ring, you opened the door, and they fell into your house because they were just absolutely drunk. You greeted them, and they cussed you out. At the table, they just constantly put you down, and 
made fun of you and were sarcastic, I would imagine at some point you would say, my kid died for this? Why? What a waste. Look at Romans 5 again, 6, 8, and 10. While we were still weak, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, I mean, while we were these things, just like that illustration, Christ died for us. He loved us so much. I mean, when's the last time you had an enemy? And you said, I just want to bless that enemy. I just want to love that person. Well, they've done me wrong, but, you know, I'm going to do them wrong. No, no, they've done me wrong. I want to do something for them. I want to bless them. That was the last time someone cussed you out and you just said, I get it. It's been a tough day. Hey, let me buy your meal. This is the kind of love we're talking about. This is God's love for us. What did Jesus see in us? How much are we worth? The cross of Calvary establishes our worth to God. I, you, we are worth a son to God, regardless of how we view ourselves. He manifests his love to us. He showed his love to us at the cross. Number two, as we understand how he manifests his love to us, secondly, the motivation for God's love. As we, as we understand how he manifested his love to us, we are then motivated by that. Look at John chapter 3, verse 16. I know this is a very unfamiliar verse, very obscure verse in Scripture. Hardly anybody knows it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I showed you that verse just because of three words. God so loved. I want you to think about that. It's one thing to be loved. It's another thing to be so loved. We sang a moment ago, a few times in the song of God being good, we, we added the word so good. I, I, I think we also sang and we, at the end of the song, there was this like, ooh or ah or something kind of before we started singing again. And you know what I was thinking as that ooh or ah was going on? I was thinking, it's just like, wait a minute. This is crazy. God so loved. Think about this. God create, God spoke and created the universe. The Hubble telescope has recently discovered that there are over, this is just the Hubble telescope, over 3,000 galaxies in the universe. But most scientists say there's probably more like 500 billion to 1 trillion galaxies. One says, here's why I think there's 2 trillion galaxies in the universe. Hey, I'm blown away by 3,000. Are you? 3,000 galaxies. I mean, if there's a billion galaxies or a half billion, wait a minute, stop. I, I, I can kind of get 3,000. And so, of the 3,000 galaxies, we live in one. 
And in that one galaxy that we live in, of the 3,000 or maybe 1 billion or maybe 500 billion or maybe 2 trillion, whatever it is, we live in one and we live on an itty-bitty planet called Earth. And on that itty-bitty planet in Arkansas, Hot Springs, 621 3rd Street, who slept last night on about five square feet of space of the galaxies was Eric Capace. And God so loves me. Me. He loves me. Such love. Such wondrous love. When we begin to understand how loved we are. So loved. Everybody has a so loved story. This idea of being so loved is why you worshiped so passionately a moment ago. It's why as we sing, we lift our hands. It's why sometimes it takes a while to get going. But once we get into about the middle part of the song, and it crescendos a little bit, and it builds a little bit, and an instrument begins to play louder, all of a sudden we become somewhat really overwhelmed with this idea that God loves me, and our hands go up, and our tears are are, are coming down. It all happened to me this morning. I'm a witness of it. Because I'm so loved. And that so loved motivated me to lift my hands. It motivated me to get up this morning and preach. It motivated me to be in church this morning. It's motivating me to want to share the gospel with someone this week. John continues and teaches that God's love should motivate us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I want you to pay close attention to two words, if and ought. If... We ought. If God so loved us, we ought. It just makes sense. I mean, if God loved us, we we ought to love one another. We need to love at the next level because God so loved us at the next level. God does not love you because you deserve it. God does not love you because you've earned it. God does not love you because of your power or your position or your possessions. God loves you because God is love. It's the very nature of God to love the unlovable. The soul love of Christ should motivate us to express his love to others. Thus, beloved... If God so loved us, we also, 1 John 4, 11, ought to love one another. Because of what Christ has done for us, we ought. We are the only hands and feet and mouth that God has to tell this world what he did for them. You know, on vacation, we... We had a lot of time in the car. Florida's a long way away. And we didn't go to the, you know, like the, we went to the Atlantic coast. So we had three-day journey, you know, five hours, six hours, six hours type thing. And so we did a lot of talking in the car, a lot of music, a lot of family time, you know. We had three vehicles, 16 people, but it's, it's cool. Well, one of the conversations, one of the many conversations in that long trip, hey, Dad. Remember when you started listening to contemporary Christian music? That was a fur that came up in the car. I'm like, 
All right, let's talk about it, you know. So here, here it was for us. My wife and I, this is like Fanny Crosby of contemporary, casting crowns, right? I mean, you know, I don't know who listens to them anymore. I still do some. But I mean, back then it was like they were like the bomb, right? So my kids are like jamming on casting crowns, and I'm like, I don't know. And then this album comes out. Anybody remember this song? It's the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says do not be afraid. On that same album, who am I that the Lord of all the earth should care to know my name? Are those powerful or what? That, that goddess. I mean, and here we are today. <laughs> but that wasn't my favorite. My favorite song on that album was If We Are the Body. <sighs> I wonder today, as I, and in just a minute I'm going to show you the words. Don't put them up yet. But I'm wondering today, as we read this lyrics, and I illustrate this point of motivating you to love like Jesus loves. I wonder if that girl is in this building this morning. I wonder if she has slipped in. I wonder if she's trying to fade into the faces. What a powerful song. The words to this song are second to none. Here they are. Look at it. It says, it's crowded in worship today. I wish I could sing this one, but it's really hard. Jordan could do it, but it's tough, you know. It's crowded in worship today. And she walks in. Okay, I'm sorry. I won't do it. <laughs> I'll just read it. It's crowded in worship today as she slips in, trying to fade into the faces. And she doesn't look like all the other girls. You know, maybe, maybe she's just got something about her. Maybe she's got dressed right, or maybe she's got a nose ring. Or a, or, or a, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with these things. I'm just saying this is what I think he's trying to get across to her. She just doesn't look like the church girl. So she's trying to fade into the faces, and the girl's teasing laughter. It's going farther than they know. Farther than they know. But... If we are the body, why aren't our arms reaching, our hands healing? Why aren't our words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't our feet going? Why is his love not showing her there is a way? There is a way. The next verse speaks about a traveler. He's far away from home. He sheds his coat, sits on the back row. He sinks into the back row the weight of their judgmental glances. How sad is it that churches seem to be the most prevalent place for judgmental faces? As if we're better than anyone else that would ever walk into this building. I'm not accusing you or me of any of that. I'm simply trying to get a point across. The weight of their judgmental fa- glances tells him that his chances, better off out there, buddy. You're better off walking out right now. And getting back on the road. But if we are the body, why aren't our arms reaching, our hands healing, our words teaching? If we are the body, what are, why aren't our feet going? Why, here it is, why is his, Jesus' love, not showing them there is a way? If we are the body of Christ. Powerful, isn't it? My life has been changed by the perfect love of God. I'm here today as a result of God's love. 
It's been poured out on me so lavishly that honestly, this is why I live the way I live. I'm preaching the way I I fall short. I'm not where I need to be. I'm still walking in love. I'm growing in love. I'm trying to do this more and more. I, I fail. I fall. I get back up. He forgives me. We work through it. But I want you to know today that this is why we are here today to learn how to radically love others like Jesus loved them and loves us. We then are encouraged as we learn this to learn to be a reflection of God. Why is his love not showing? A reflection of God's love. Again, 1 John 4, 12, as John continues to go through this text, it's amazing. He says, no one has ever seen God. I love this verse. This verse has a totally new, I I am in love with this passage because I understand it differently now that I've taken the time to really walk through this. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. God lives in us. His love is perfected in us. No one has seen God, but through our love for one another, people can see God is love. That's incredible. Notice the word abide or dwells. It's crazy. It's mentioned so often in the next four or five verses. Here it is on the screen. Look at it. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, whoever that is, God abides in him. He abides in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love of God for us. God is love and whoever abides in love, abides in God. And God abides in him. Over and over again, we are reminded that when we have experienced the love of God and begin to love like God loves, God abides in us. We abide in God. The way that people know that God is a God of love is that they see the love of God in the life of a person because love is something you do. Love is a demonstration. So you've got the manifestation of God's love, the motivation for God's love, and finally, and in closing, the maturity in God's love. So now we're learning to walk in love. This is where the maturity part comes in. Because God is wanting us to love like he loved, and that seems like a really difficult challenge, and it is. Notice 1 John 4, 17 and 18. I mean, we're almost done. By this is love perfected or matured with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, mature love, complete love, well-formed love, cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected or matured in love. I want you to listen to Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this verse as well. This is really good. I love this. He says, God is love. When we take a permanent residence, God abides in us, we abide in God. When we take a permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house. Hey, you're getting a kiss on the cheek when you walk in the door. All right? (laughs) I mean, it just has the run of the house. It's like love is everywhere. This is incredible. It becomes at home and mature in us. 
so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. Childlike love is different than mature love. It just is. Human love is different from God's love. Children generally have a because love. All right, let's look at it in the next verse. First John chapter number four, verse 19. We love, phileo, we love because he first loved, agape, us. We love because. And, and I get it. We love because it appeals to us. We love because of what we do for one another. Childlike love is that which appeals to your senses. It's a responsive love. I Love in response to you doing something for me. And then you love in response to what I do for you. That is a phileo love. It's, it's a childlike love. It's an immature love. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's okay. It's okay. But then there's a blessed love. A mature love. A decided love. A godlike love. An unconditional love. Look at it in 1 John 4, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, dude's a liar. I mean, how can you sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I hate my brother. How do you do that? It's impossible. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him Whoever loves God must. If you love God, you must love your brother. I love you because of who I am in Christ. A child of God, abiding in Christ. He abides in me. I love because of who I am, regardless of your response. This is when we love like Jesus loves. This is the love of God in us, a reflection love. We choose to love our kids before they can respond. Is that true? Don't we choose to do that? I mean, I've just got a new grandchild that's one month old. I'm watching this little baby so, so unkind. I mean, this baby will wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's, It's ridiculous, really. I mean, I don't know what this kid thinks... They don't pay the bills. They give us absolutely nothing. Never say thank you. And the mother jumps up in the morning, grabs the baby, feeds the baby, and just stays up until it goes back to bed. This is, this is not right. But a mature, which she has a mature love for Kiyoshi. A very mature love. And, and she gets up and she feeds him and she waits till he goes back to bed. In fact, they just do everything for this little knucklehead. It's crazy. We just watch it. We're like, man, this kid is, just gets it, gets it all. Mature love is that way. Mature love is a blessed love. It's an agape love. This is the love that we are commanded to give. A God-like, unconditional, decided love for one another. As we yield to the Holy Spirit, as we let the love of God flow through us, we begin to love like God does. This is what we're working towards. This is what we're praying for. This is what we're walking in love as Christ loved us. I must choose this. 
I've got to obey this command. It's not always easy. I mean, when you're done wrong, when, when somebody curses you, when somebody doesn't bless you, when, 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 when their response to you is not the kind of response that you had to them, I get it. Our flesh, our childlike, immature love takes over. And it's because. But when we begin to love like Jesus loved, it's a blessed love. There's an incredible picture of this blessed love in the Old Testament, and I'm going to close with it. It takes me about six minutes, and then I'll close. In the Old Testament, before Jesus ever came on planet Earth to solve the sin problem, God's extraordinary, get this, extravagant, radical, scandalous, unconditional, blessed love shows up on, a, on full display in the life of a young man by the name of Hosea. There's a little book in the Old Testament called Hosea. You get the picture of this in the first two verses. Now, the Old Testament is God's training manual. God constantly uses the lives of Bible characters to teach us and to be examples to us as how we should live today. And what's amazing is it's impossible to leave truth as theoretical when you have real-life examples. I mean, these are not like just fairy tale. This really happened. So this is not a theoretical truth. This is a real life truth lived out in the life of a man by the name of Hosea. So here's the story. You'll see it. God says, okay, Hosea, here's your assignment. In Hosea chapter 1 verse Chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The Lord gave this message to Hosea. Look at verse 2. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute. If I'm Hosea, this is me. Come again? What? What? Did you say prostitute? Huh? That's exactly what I said. Go marry a prostitute. Hosea does. Her name is Gomer. Just as God had joined himself to unfaithful Israel, exchanging covenant vows with them, blessing them, adorning them with blessings, so Hosea would join himself to an unfaithful wife. But God blessed their union. It was pretty incredible. He blessed them with a son. He blessed them with a second child, a girl. They had a third child, a son. So, I mean, years went by in this marriage. And God blessed them in so many ways. But one day, Hosea woke up. Something was different. He woke up, looked to his left, and and, and though the Scripture doesn't give us the details, I can only imagine she was gone. He runs to the kitchen. Maybe she woke up early to fix breakfast. She's not there. He goes to the, the, the backyard. She's not. He goes to the kids' rooms. They're all crying. What's wrong? We tried to get her to stay, Daddy. We did everything we could. We begged her to stay, Daddy, but she would not. Daddy, she's gone. She's gone, Dad. Hosea raises those children as a single father. Scripture is silent as to what happened in this period of time. I don't know what happened. Possibly, I think it's fair to say possibly the kids grew up, they got married, they had kids themselves. But one dark night, eventually God came to old Hosea, and here's what he said. In chapter 3, go again, 
Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. I want you to go back and marry Gomer again. He's an old man now. Years have passed. His shoulders are stooped. His walk is no longer a brisk walk. He's walking slowly. So many years have passed by. He he hasn't heard from Gomer since the day she left. Although he's heard she's back into a prostitution, so he goes to a brothel. He goes to the red light district of town. He walks into a brothel. He's kind of embarrassed, but as an old man, he looks at some guy and says, have you seen my wife? Her name's Gomer. The man blushes. Uh, Dude, I didn't know she was married. It's okay. I get it. Have you seen her? Well, yeah. I don't want to go into details. A couple days ago. Thanks, man. If you see her, let me know. He walks towards a slave auction, leans up against a post, watches a strong man enter the slave auction, a big, strong young guy. He goes for a high price. Now comes a beautiful, attractive woman in great shape, got a lot, I'm sure, to offer whoever would bid on her, and she goes for a high price. And then here comes this old, wrinkled, worn-out woman. Hosea's first thought might have been, wow, who would, who would want her? But then he takes a second glance. It's Gomer. It's, my, it's, it's the wife of my youth. God said to take her back. I, I've got a bid. I've got a bid. Yeah, yeah, I'll bid. And he bids, and someone else bids, and he bids again, and someone else bids, and he finally bids. And the Bible says in the very next verse that he gets her for 15 shekels of silver. The number 15, interestingly enough, is a symbol of restoration, healing, and deliverance. Silver is a picture of redemption. He so loved Gomer with a blessed love. Gomer says to Hosea, I can't believe you would buy me back and take me back. And Hosea says, Gomer, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. His exact words were in verse 3, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. We watch the old couple hobble back home. That, my friends, is the story that God used in Scripture to tell us how much he loves. I don't care how wasted your life is. God so loves you. I don't care how wicked your life has been. God loves you with an everlasting love. He's manifested his love to you. His love ought to motivate all of us to want to share his love with others. And his love can be matured in us so that one day we can learn to love just like Jesus loves. And it's amazing and interesting to note that literally Hosea means, the word Hosea, the name Hosea means salvation. And the name Gomer, interestingly enough, means complete. Jesus is my Hosea. I'm Gomer. You're Gomer. 
And yet scripture says clearly, and we've got to learn this in 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved, uh, if God loved us that way, we've got to learn to love each other. When you realize that you are Gomer, and you realize what your Hosea Jesus has done for you, how he manifested his love to you, that you're complete in him, that you are you are accepted by him, that you're so loved and you are so forgiven and you can never change your position in Christ. Nothing you ever could do could change your position. Something wells up inside of you and you feel the way that I described a moment ago. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that every gomer out in the world knows how much Jesus loves them. I'm going to spend the rest of my life letting every gomer I can find because I'm gomer and I've been loved. By Jesus. Love is our reason for sacrifice. Can't wait for the, the, the next few messages. But before we leave, I want to give you a challenge as the worship team comes. Here's my challenge. I want you to do three sacrificial acts of love for others. Would you, would you think about that? You don't have to do this, but I want to ask you to consider it. I'm not going to give you a coupon with three punch holes but it might be helpful right you say what are you talking about three sacrificial acts of love it could be Jerome it could be for Marlena just show Marlena in one little sacrificial act you probably did it this week do it again it could be Isaiah I'm sure he would appreciate it (laughs) It, it it could be a stranger it could be a church member it could be a neighbor Friday, I got pizza for our little activity at the Browns house, and I walked up to the truck, and Ezekiel was working with Ty, the Bassett's son, new members of our church, Ty. So it was Ty, Ezekiel, and Millie. They were working, and I noticed Ezekiel, who's in the booth, I noticed he was a little, like, shaken. He was fine. I mean, they were busy. Everything was going great. But he had this glossy look on his face. I mean, honestly, you might have even thought he had a tear in his eye. Maybe. So as a father, I'm thinking that's not actually the best way to get customers, you know. Oh, can I help you? <laughs> so I'm saying, hey, Zell, what's up? He said, Dad. It's incredible. I was like, what? He's like, well, this... This guy that clearly was like a homeless guy. And I mean, listen, you don't see many homeless people walking down airport road. Maybe it was an angel unaware. I don't know. But this homeless guy walks up, African-American guy, and he was there. And he had, he had a bag and he had, he, had a, you know, he had a little case you know, with a bunch of junk in it. And he was not clean. You could just tell he was having a, he was having a difficult time, probably just, walk into a tent somewhere, maybe behind Kroger. And he said, Dad, this guy walked up to the truck and said, you see that guy over there? I want to buy him a dinner tonight. Make me a hamburger with fries and a, and a drink. So we made him the hamburger and the fries and the drink, and he went over there and delivered that food to that homeless man. He said, Dad, he was so happy. He couldn't believe it, Dad. And I thought, I want to love like that. 
I want to be so sensitive to the needs of people around me that if God speaks to me and says, go buy that meal for that person, they need to see my love for them through you. What I'm saying is it could be a hamburger. You say, you mean I can show God's love through a hamburger? Yeah, especially a hog's burger. It's incredible. What am I saying? I'm saying, church, can you imagine, listen, can you imagine this week if this many people went out and did three sacrificial acts of love, Reckon Hot Springs might see God's love more? Can you imagine if two, three hundred people left this building? That's 900 acts of love. 900 acts of love this week? Sacrificial acts of love? 900 moments where we let somebody get in line in front of us? 900 moments where when somebody slipped into a, a, in front of us on the car and, and, and we, we just... We just let them get in. We let them have the, the spot instead of speeding in front. And they didn't earn that. They didn't deserve that. I was here first. 900 acts of sacrificial love. You say, those are silly. There's not much to those. Well, guess what? You'd be surprised at what one little word of kindness, how it can impact the life of someone. So that's my message. Thank you for listening. If you're here today and you've never experienced that love, the love I'm talking about that Jesus displayed on Calvary when he died for your sins, and you'd like to come forward and receive that love, I encourage you. I'll be up front. You're welcome to come. I'd love to pray with you, talk with you. I can talk to you after the service as well if you'd like to hang out just a little bit. I don't leave real quick at all. I'm I'm hanging out till you leave, so let's talk. If you'd like to come pray, the altars are going to be open. Father, bless this invitation. May we respond as you have led us to respond in worship, in prayer, in meditation. Father, may we take this challenge seriously to display and demonstrate the love of God in a sacrificial way this week in our community, in our neighborhood, in our family. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?